You're listening to Flipping Tables on Sunrise Robot. Find out how you can support us at sunriserobot.net slash support. Welcome to Flipping Tables, episode 78. I'm one of your hosts, David Lyons. And I'm your other host, Michael Edwards. And uh, we have a little bit of follow-up. Um, so I think, Mike, you remember, I, I, I was very pro-Lyft because Uber was doing all their shady dealings and there was some some nefarious stuff about the, the CEO basically saying like terrible things about women and all this like Silicon Valley badness. So I, I tried to avoid... Uh, Uber as much as possible. And then when I finally did use it, cause I was in a city that didn't have Lyft, I was like, wow, that was a really awesome experience. Like I can't take away from them that the app experience and getting the car and paying for it and all that crap went very smoothly. Uh, turns out that that nifty feature that I remember you specifically were impressed by where you could see the little cars like moving in real time on the map. Yeah, it's bullshit. It's all bullshit. <laughs> Everything is lies. And the person who kind of figured this out was I, so I guess, uh, drivers have a separate app, so they will occasionally switch into the, the rider app to see like, are there 20 other Uber drivers around me? Should I continue to wait here for a ride? And, uh, that's how they were like, there aren't five other people around me. I'm alone on this street. Like there's no one anywhere (laughs) near me. And this kind of bummed me out because in Lyft, it's like a really jerky, like it's a live update, but it's like at five frames per second live update. And I thought that this was like a cool differentiator on Uber, but like everything else about Uber, it's a damn lie. When the the way the person at Uber tries to describe it and backtrack a little bit, they're like, well, it's a, it's a presentation. It's an experience. <laughs> And you're like, what? <laughs> like, you're just lying to us. It's not an ex. Well, I guess it is a kind of experience. But- <laughs> Lies are a kind of experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that bummed me out. And I mean, I would try to avoid using Uber anyway. But now this is like a petty reason. Like before, I only had good moral reasons, and now I have like a personal petty reason. So that's a thing. And hey, I tried to install Windows 10, and it failed miserably. But. <laughs> Before this turns into a Microsoft hate train, let me just be fair and say that everything I have looked up about people trying to install Windows 10 and having a hard time with it, it's always been something to do with driver support. And the machine that I tried to install Windows 10 onto is a Franken machine made from it's the it's the only computer i ever built completely from parts i mean like i even had to put the cpu onto the motherboard myself like it's a custom well cut custom case it's it's you know i had to buy all the connecting wires everything um it's what runs my home server and and like backup machine so the fact that it got 99 percent of the way through and then was like i don't know what this is and crashed it's a little bit frustrating (laughs) <laughs> but it, it crashed very gracefully. Like I, I let it run overnight. And when I came the next morning, it said uh, a very nice error that was something like, hey, um, that didn't work. So here's Windows 7 again. <laughs> it was just like, okay. So everything was just the way I left it. You know, the, it just, the installation failed. Um, 
but I, I don't know. I'm a little sad. Everybody seems yeah. to be so happy with it. I mean, that just seems to be, I mean, this is happening a lot because that's Microsoft's business model is support all the things. Whoa, this gets rough sometimes. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, they, they have their first party hardware these days and um, we just got a button in the taskbar on Shelby Surface and it was just like, oh, okay. And then, you know, it it surprisingly didn't bother us much. It just rebooted, you know, like 50 times, but it didn't ask us to do anything. So I don't care how many times it reboots <laughs> if it's not asking me stuff. And then now we have Cortana and uh, a much better start button experience. Well, see, and this is the thing. My installation experience was very positive. It did the same thing. I had the little, you know, menu thing in the, in the like down near the clock. And I was like, okay, give me Windows 10 now. And it said, okay, your computer may start like a thousand times. So make your peace with that. And it, I mean, it's not, this is not performance hardware. I was actually surprised when I was looking at the hardware. I had no idea I had crammed four gigs of RAM in there. But it's a spinner <laughs> hard drive. Well, but I mean, it's that's not its purpose. Like, I don't know. I must have gotten it on sale or something because there's no reason to justify it. But it's an old spinner hard drive. I think it's 5,400 RPMs. It had to copy a huge amount of data into RAM so that it could write back and forth and didn't ask me any questions. Just was like really, really smooth right up until it failed. (laughs) Right up until the fire explosion. Everything was going great. So have you messed with any of the new features? I just tried Cortana real quick and I was like, yeah, that is how old Antonio Banderas is. Okay, back to normal (laughs) life. (laughs) Was that really the question you asked? I don't know why. It's just what popped into my head. Well, how does Shelby feel about it? Because that's her primary machine, right? Um, She has said zero things about it so far. That's probably positive. I feel like complaints gender engender a lot more uh, a lot more outspokenness than general. Unless you're like elated, where it's like this is the greatest yeah. thing ever and. Yeah, no one's like, for the 46th day, my toilet's working as expected. <laughs> but if it explodes and send things everywhere, then you're going to tell people maybe you shouldn't. But <laughs> What's that, that old joke? But you fuck one goat. <laughs> <laughs> and now I just gave myself another edit point, but I'm okay with it. Um, <laughs> Worth it. So let's actually talk about Windows 10 because the launch happened. People seem generally happy, which... This is sort of, I guess this is kind of the problem I was just sort of alluded, alluding to is because I'm not hearing a lot of news, uh, that probably means it's going fine. Yeah. Because every little thing that could go wrong would be complained about in a blog post somewhere and uh, people are finding yeah. this, well, I, uh, I, this solitary issue. Well, before that, I, I wonder if there's already more Windows 10 machines than like OS 10 machines in the world. Like how quickly that will happen just because Microsoft's scale is still so huge in desktop PC land. Um, I'm going to look that up really quick because you have me curious. I know that Windows 8 had a higher install base than all of OS 10. So it's hard to imagine that Windows 10 won't very soon pass that because all of the Windows 8 people, you know, want to get off Windows 8 like as soon as possible. And a lot of Windows 7 people have been waiting to skip Windows 8. So you're probably going to get a lot of, let's see. So uh, I found an article that said 18 million over launch weekend. 
So I think the one thing about the Windows 10 launch that's really screwing with people is this crazy solitaire thing. So did you did you see any of these screenshots? Uh, no, but I did see the article just about people going, oh my God, I have to pay for solitaire. Okay, so these screenshots, and this is coming from someone who has not used Windows 8 very much, because apparently this was also true in Windows 8, but the difference is solitaire wasn't bundled in Windows 8, so it's like messing with people but anyway this screenshot which is linked in the show notes is sunriserobot.net slash flipping table slash 78 for this episode uh it looks fake to me <laughs> like when i saw this my gut reaction was not oh my that microsoft they're just out to make another dollar and this is terrible and this is so user hostile like i was like this has got to be fake this has to be fake this is just somebody trolling but son of a gun is a real thing. So so let's let's break this down. You can play solitaire for free, just like you've always been able to, which is apparently a Windows staple because now that solitaire has been messed with, people are acting like Microsoft is doomed <laughs> as a company. So this I thought, you know, Windows was Microsoft's like linchpin but i was wrong it's actually solitaire <laughs> of which no one else has ever made a copy of solitaire no and clearly you just can't get up to the bill gates standard of solitaire if you're not bill gates so <laughs> those bouncing cards man they're just they're addictive so uh it's a dollar 49 a month to remove the ads from the built-in solitaire app or ten dollars a year i and that that 49 is such a little jab in the side <laughs> like like a dollar or two dollars man <laughs> yeah well and so the there's ads right that that's the thing is you can still play solitaire like normal but there's these ads and people are just freaking the hell out like I mean, I know you're not supposed to read the comments, haha, but if you go through like on, on this Reddit post that we link to or the comments on the Business Insider article, people are like, that's it, I'm switching to a Mac or <laughs> like, I'm going to stay on Windows 7 as long as I can. It's like over solitaire. <laughs> like how many times, like what's your job that you're playing solitaire all day and find a passion for your life? <laughs> Well, even if you so if you do have to play solitaire all day, ten dollars a year to play solitaire is not that bad. <laughs> and if you're not supposed to be playing solitaire all day, then why is this so important to you? Like, I do not honestly believe that this is indicative of some huge sea change at Microsoft. Like, is it crappy? Yes. Is it kind of user hostile? Yes. But if there's one place that we know people are willing to pay money, it's in these small transactions in games. We just talked about this. Like this is where the the casual gaming market is going because the casual market is so much bigger than the hardcore market. <laughs> and so I, I just uh, I just googled free solitaire online and <laughs> here's a page that is literally there's like a tiny menu here, but it's just solitaire. There's no ad. It's like as minimalist a UI as you could possibly have for a solitaire game. <laughs> so that took me three seconds. <laughs> yeah, so. I, I don't think this is a problem in in actuality for anyone with any common sense. 
what bothers me about this is that Microsoft did it at all and that people are are putting way too much uh, weight on it, right? Like, the fact that Microsoft did it is just kind of like, eh, it sort of sucks. Like, they're, you know, even as big as they are, they're still vulnerable to the market forces of economics, and that's kind of a bummer. But to act like this is a breaking, like a deal breaker for Windows 10 is just... I, I'm I'm flabbergasted. And then, of course, if you look on Reddit, people immediately are like, I'd pay you a dollar for Space Pinball. Or, I'd pay you a dollar for Hover. <laughs> Which, did you even ever play Hover? No. I Somehow I completely missed this. Like, I remember Ski Free. I remember the original Minesweeper, the old, you know, version of Solitaire, the Space Pinball on Windows 95, I thought was just like the absolute greatest thing ever because i was like you know nine or ten yeah but i don't remember hover and apparently if you do remember hover it was like the greatest game ever so of course someone made a like webgl version of it and it's okay (laughs) yeah yeah i mean this is just classic internet overreaction and uh especially something that is you know i joked earlier no one else has ever made a solitaire game like (laughs) The I, and even beyond that, I saw people saying you could run like the Windows Seven or maybe it's an XP version of Solitaire will run in Windows Ten, and so you can just grab the EXE. I'm sure it's not hard to find, and you can play your classic Solitaire. But I don't know. It's it's that weird human condition of like that thing I've ignored for a decade that no <laughs> one ever talks about. Well, you you decided to take it away from me in whatever fashion I define as taking away from me. And I've decided that is a scandal and I'm angry. So do you think that's what this is? Is even among the tech elite and the tech neurati and the the secret cabal of 10, 25-year-old white guys that control all technology, do you think even among those people they're still like terrified of change. Like solitaire in windows has been unchanged for so long. Now that they have the gall to try and make money off the software they give you, it's like, ah, it's the baby rattle of the tech industry. And they're like, no, don't take it from me. It, it is. It's like if they had, if they had pulled solitaire out and said, Hey, it's a $5 one time download back in like windows xp or windows 7 then people would have said like oh well you know what my computer operating system doesn't really need to be bundled with solitaire right like that's if this was like the calculator or the terminal or or something that's like a fundamental part of a computer operating system then i would be like whoa that's kind of shady but it's it's solitaire guys like it's solitaire (laughs) And you can still play it for free. It just has ads, just like every other web thing you ever look at. Yeah. I mean, do you think this would have gone much better if Microsoft still had ad-supported Solitaire and just didn't have the pay to remove them? Like, people wouldn't be like, oh my god. No, I think the backlash would be basically the same. I think people would just say, oh, there's ads now on the desktop. Oh my god. Because this is... This is something I've noticed about uh, Microsoft, and this happened to Ubuntu as well, but nobody uses Ubuntu, so you don't hear about it. But um, 
we are used to ads in the web browser, right? Like you open the web browser, you see ads, you just sort of make your peace with that. But really the whole operating system is now connected to the web pretty much all the time. So to see ads that are served from the web inside other applications still sort of freaks people out. That's still kind of a new thing. Like you just don't expect to see it. So if you open up solitaire, even though, yeah, of course my computer is still connected to the internet and this is a thing it can do. Like it just, people are like, ah, there aren't supposed to be web ads in here. I, you know, get, get out of here. You crazy web ads. (laughs) Yeah, I remember even like when some patents were coming out about 10 years ago where both Apple and Microsoft would score a patent that would say it would describe ads showing up in an OS. And people were like, oh, Orwellian future, corporatocracy, the world is over. (laughs) All the while, like you said, not questioning the insane prevalence of ads kind of like turning the internet into a cesspool. Yeah, and this is why, I mean, don't get me wrong, I wish, that, and we've talked about this before, like, I wish the ads on the web were less user hostile, but I don't really see any logical reason other than it feels icky that you can't have ads in every other piece of software on my computer. Like, that's probably going to change my behavior. If I open up the calculator... And it's like, what's two plus two? Click here to find out. Like, that's probably going to change the way I interact with that vendor if Microsoft does that everywhere. But in something like Solitaire, I just feel like most games like that that people play are are there either web-based games where there's ads all over the place or it's a mobile game where there's ads all over the place. So injecting ads onto an OS-level piece of software like that that seems like a place where it's not that big of a deal i don't don't know i'm sure anybody listening to this is going to be like but lions there's a slippery slope next you'll have ads in microsoft (laughs) word and i don't know maybe they're right and that would annoy me like i that that to me would be intolerable but you know this outrage is nothing compared to what isps are going through (laughs) Poor, poor ISPs. Oh, yes. They're just... So I think this is mostly Verizon and... uh, And what's their name? Not AT&T. It's Verizon and somebody else. Comcast. Comcast, thank you. The two red people. Those (laughs) communists. They're, uh, They're saying now that they should not be um, under Title II because Title II affects telecommunication systems and the internet is in fact not a telecommunication system and how anyone lawyer or otherwise could say that with a straight face is beyond me yeah i mean i'm not surprised that they're doing it though i mean they, they're just trying to find any legal wiggle room to to hop around this this uh, fcc decision um but yeah. come on <laughs> it's just uh i mean you're right you're right it's the lawyers are doing their lawyery thing right they're trying to find any loophole no matter how absurd because really they're not out to make friends they're out to win court cases so if everyone in the public is like no this is bullshit but they still win and they're like oh, i got what i wanted 
And when they noticed a footnote in here of the other shitty things some of these companies are doing, like uh, AT&T said, and several other companies like CenturyLink and U.S. Telecom, that uh, you know they shouldn't have to tell their subscribers if they're throttling them or you know some other things because that's against their First Amendment rights as Ugh. people. So, you know, the corporations as people thing always felt really icky and uncomfortable to me, but I'm not like a political expert. I'm not a, a constitutional scholar. Um, this kind of thing, though, is so obviously icky. It's like, oh, we as the entity Comcast don't have to tell you things because we have First Amendment rights. And I just want to be like, no, you don't. That's weird. <laughs> no, you don't. You're not a person. Because if you were a person, there'd be a line around the block to punch that person in the face. So unless you're going to have someone whose full-time job is to get punched in the face, uh, you don't get freedom of speech. Like, th that's the deal. You get the full-time <laughs> face puncher guy or no freedom of speech. Full-time face puncher. <laughs> well, and if you look through... So the, this article, Ars Technica, I think, always does an awesome job explaining this kind of stuff and and inserting editorializing in response to direct quotes and not just like making up nonsense out of the blue, like some other tech pundits. Um, but there's some quotes in here where they basically say, because any computer processing is involved, the internet does not count as a telecommunications service. And some of their examples are because ISPs give uh, email service, um, as if anyone who knows anything about the internet uses their at Comcast email address uh, because they have cloud storage. Like that's the ability to store data apparently makes you not a communication service. And then my favorite one, where's I want to try and find the quote, the exact quote, but it's, it basically says if you didn't have computer processing happening in the background all users, this is an actual quote from them that I'm badly paraphrasing. All users would be required to know the IP address of every website they want to go to. So they're basically claiming that the concept of a DNS lookup absolves <laughs> them from being a telecommunication system, which is staggering to me because phone numbers work in very much the same way, right? Like there used to be the the little woman in like the 19, what, 30s yeah. and 40s that did the switchboard. Yeah, like, pulling guitar cables out and putting them in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and you would say, you know, like Klondike 555, please. And, and they would connect you. And that's, so that was a kind of pr information processing, like how... If that counts as telecommunications, yeah. DNS well, definitely does. And here's the thought that just occurred to me, and I mean, I'm not a lawyer, or as the acronym goes, I-anal. Um, <laughs> okay. Is it, does this defense, like, could Verizon, the cell phone provider company, not, like, could they still use this defense? Because there's still pocket computers involved when I'm using their cell phone network, and, you know, yeah, they do like voice calls, but there's also like digital data based features of cell phone networks. And are they going to make the same argument there? Are they already making that argument right now? I don't think they're making that argument right now, but 
this is where slippery slope actually does make me nervous because the whole problem, I mean, your rhetoric is probably better than mine, but the whole problem, my understanding with slippery slope is that the slippery slope fallacy comes into play when you have no proof or reason to believe that one outcome would then lead to a different worse outcome later. So, uh, you know, if like, you know, the, the gay marriage ruling that just happened, people were like, well, if we allow gays to get married, then people will marry their dogs. And it's like, no, this, there's no reason to believe (laughs) that those two things would happen in sequence. Or or my favorite version was, uh, if we let gay people marry, then we'll let horses, you know, take over the moon with an army of ants. (laughs) (laughs) That that one's way better. (laughs) So, but, but with Verizon and Comcast and these other companies, I feel like the slippery slope is actually a concern because if you give them an inch, they will come back and sue you for damages and then take a mile, right? Like we have seen this happen time and time again, where as soon as they're given a little bit of power or a little bit of freedom or a little bit of autonomy, they push as hard as they can. And then when they meet resistance, they try and, and break through that and then just continue pushing. So if if uh, Verizon somehow won this argument and was like, oh, the internet doesn't count because computer processing is involved, I honestly believe they would try and extend that to cell phones and just be like, oh, there's computer processing involved. This also doesn't count because now we have this prior court case to support it. Yeah. Ugh. It, I just, I I don't know how anyone who knows anything about the way this technology works could hear these complaints and not just say, I mean, it, I probably just don't understand how these things have to be processed from through like the legal system. But like, if I got this and I'm, I'm a judge or a lawyer who also understands technical matters, I would just be like, your objection is invalid. So like we're not even this can't go to court because you have not yet raised a valid complaint. Yeah. This but is guess, absurdity. Yeah, I guess that I I don't think that's actually an option in our legal system. I don't think the judge can just be like, "Nah, you dumb." I mean, I know in like civil lawsuits if you they can throw it out if they're like, "But no one was harmed." It's like yeah, yeah. you might like not like what they did and they might have provably done that thing, but no one was harmed, so <laughs> what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess when it's this, when you're talking about like federal regulations and and hundreds of millions of customers, they can't be that flippant about it. But I mean, just to think about the amount of time and money and effort that will go into fighting what is so obviously a losing battle is... Yeah. Well, and even with my like demonstrating that someone was harmed thing, I'm reminded of the the surveillance stuff um, before Snowden that the courts would basically say, well, that's a state secret, so you don't know that they surveilled you, therefore you have not been harmed. And it's like, oh my god, this is getting into really creepy territory. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the uh, that's like the federal version of the loophole used in every terrible cop show or every terrible like cop movie where uh, they, they like wiretap the drug dealer or they, they break into the drug dealers like drug shack where he drugs all his drugs and, (laughs) and and they're like, ha ha, Tommy, two drugs. We caught you doing drugs. 
And then it's like, ah, but you broke into a private residence without a warrant. Therefore, none of this counts. And I think the reason that's so popular in, in, you know, these terrible TV shows is because there is like a kernel of truth to that. Like you can't just break into a private residence and then like bring up charges against people. But in, in those TV shows, it's always like, yeah, but, but we knew that they were dealing drugs out of that house. Cause we could see through the window, the big sign that said, <laughs> Tommy, two drugs sells drugs here. So like that's probable cause. And I feel like that's, it's a silly example, but I feel like that same kind of thing is happening where if you're, you know, a, a federal judge, you could look at this and be like, Hey, the last time we tried to let you guys do the right thing, you screwed everyone and like stole a bunch of money that you had no right to bill them for. And then we had to come back and like punish you and make you redistribute it. So why would we trust you this time? Like that's probable cause. I mean, this isn't a criminal thing. This is a civil <laughs> ma- or is it civil? I don't know. <laughs> It's, it's federal, but not criminal. Well, it's not a lawsuit, is it? Or are they? They're are is are the ISPs suing something? Or they're just claiming that they they're exempt from this I think, ruling? I think they are challenging the ruling. And so they're trying to appeal it or something. Yeah, I don't ap- know. appeal sounds more right. I don't think they're suing. I think they're trying to have it either overturned <laughs> or claim that it does not apply to them. I need to read this book that Homer Simpson's reading here. Oh, except the one about how our court system works. Um, Yeah, I mean, on its face, it's like, oh, so, you know, this business that all the phone companies do that connects people as a communication platform is not telecommunications? Sure. Yeah, and I mean, that's what this boils down to, is regardless of your your understanding or or our lack of understanding about the ins and outs of the legal system. Is there anything that is not involving a computer these days and why does that mean it's an unregulated mess it's like well there's a computer (laughs) (laughs) yeah and that really doesn't do well for the the internet's legitimacy you know people are always like oh well man it's on the internet it's the wild wild west or oh you shouldn't punish that person who bullied that other person so bad they killed themselves it was on the internet the internet's all cat memes ha ha it's like no that's whether you threaten someone via snail mail or comcast.net email, like it's still a threat. Or if you, you know, have a, like right now we're having a phone call over the internet. How is this not (laughs) telecommunications? We are commuting at a tele distance. (laughs) I I'm just, I can't wait for this to be ancient history. And I think the last time we talked about crazy BS that, uh, the the ISPs were doing. I had that exact same like. I don't know what else to say other than I want to not have to think about this anymore. Just like I'm, I'm really glad every time a new major like civil rights thing is done, and I get to look forward and be like, hey, when my kids are grown, they'll be like, wait, you mean it wasn't always this obvious common sense way? And I'll be like, I know. When I was a kid, everyone was an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> Uh, I I love the automated car version of that. The you mean like you know people just drove cars themselves? Did no <laughs> one die? Oh no, tens of thousands of people died every year. Yeah, um, and that's that's sad because that one's not even hyperbole. Like that's just, no, it's just a fact. Yeah. Apparently, humans, you know, sleepy, drunk, weird humans 
driving 6,000 pound death machines is a bad idea, apparently. Um, <laughs> uh, shall we move on from this painful, sad topic of ISPs? We, we shall. I think we have fascinating uh, video game stuff that I want yeah. to talk to you about. So uh, Final Fantasy VII, which, uh, you know, nothing was shown, but at, at this year's E3, Sony and Square were like, we're finally doing it. We're not just making a tech demo for the new PlayStation platform that's just a video. We're actually going to remake Final Fantasy VII. And uh, I definitely saw some articles that were like, even employees of Square, were, it was news to them, like, oh, we're doing that now? <laughs> So apparently this was like a, a recent decision from the top of like print money. Yeah, let's print money. Um, I think maybe that was to uh, just to prevent leaks. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's that's the sensible take. I, <laughs> I, I like the shall we print money <laughs> story. Well, um, I, I don't think those two things are in conflict with each other. <laughs> that's true. They are not mutually exclusive. Um, and now there's this article at IGN um, saying that uh, there, there's a, a quote and that maybe um, Final Fantasy VII will have dramatic changes to the combat system. And uh, I actually am going to give them the benefit of the doubt on this, that while I didn't hate Final Fantasy VII's combat system, sure, mix it up. Like, make it something different for me to play with. Like, I, I kind of got no problems with this, depending on what they do. So you're open to change, but you, there are things that you would not consider a positive change. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, don't, I don't know, I, just don't make it terrible, but it can be wildly different. Like, you know, watching Knights of the Round is not terribly exciting to me. I mean, maybe the new <laughs> version would be interesting, but you could just make it a cinematic and then never show it again. Well, but I'm wondering, because there was some kind of allusions to like, oh, we drew a lot of inspiration from Advent Children, which had this very large scale kind of hyper stylized, uh, like, excuse me, lots of, uh, lots of acrobatics, lots of, uh, you know, the characters leaping like hundreds and hundreds of feet between like building rooftops and stuff. And like, like I, early Superman when he would just leap instead of fly <laughs> pretty much. And I, I think that that's very visually spectacular, but I don't uh, like it all that much. And I think it would be really obnoxious in a game because I've seen games that have a battle style like that, and they're called Final Fantasy Thirteen, and it was really obnoxious because I never knew <laughs> where the hell any of my characters were or what yeah. they were doing. I, I mean, I'm fine if you want to have a Dragoon and he has a jump <laughs> ability, but I don't need to just everyone jumps all the time for no reason, and it's just part of the universe is jumping. <laughs> well, I, I realized in Final Fantasy thirteen and the bit of thirteen two that I managed to get through that I almost never was actually watching the characters or the enemies. I was watching the menus and... <laughs> Because you have to, because yeah. you have to like switch your paradigm at the right time and you have to like do all this other stupid nonsense. So Square's like, our, our inspiration for this Final Fantasy VII remake is the stock market. You're going to be watching <laughs> stocks while you battle. That's really how it felt. And I really, really don't like that. Like to me, that's actually less visually stunning because I'm not watching the visuals at least with like the active time battle system and then going way back to when it was like fully turn-based, you input your commands and then you like watched them happen. 
Yeah, I was just thinking of tactics where it's like, yeah, I'm looking really like at the order and the kind of like the dominoes of what's going to happen. But then once I press X, I kind of sit back and watch it. Yeah, but I mean, even in, I think from Final Fantasy 4 and up, um, you, like the if you didn't do anything, the enemy would just wail on you till you died. So you did have to respond in time, but it was very simplistic, you know? So you chose from like a few things from a couple of menus and then you were like off to the races. Whereas in the the newest ones, like in, in 13 and I don't know, you'll have to tell me how it was in, in, uh, in 14, but in, in 13, you are inputting so few commands but it requires so much of your attention somehow that you end up not watching anything that's going on. So like, I think 12 did a good like fake MMO where you were kind of inputting commands, but you were kind of watching them play out. And that, that felt pretty good to me. Well, and just to speak on like 14 was an MMO. So, you know, it's like world of Warcraft. So most of the time your character's auto attacking and you're just choosing when to interrupt the default action of I'm hitting him. And so, yeah, you might plan when you're going to cure or use your special ability, but even then you get muscle memory because, you know, on the PlayStation you could map, it was like R2 plus all the face buttons or L2 plus all the face buttons. That's already 16 or no, eight things you could do. And then there was another modifier to get like a different set of eight. So you could really customize your character and kind of you could watch the game and then fire off all your special abilities when you wanted to. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the play style I want out of an RPG. Like an action RPG, like a true action RPG like The Legend of Zelda or even Kingdom Hearts, which had a very visually spectacular fighting style where like you're up in the air and you're over here and then you're over there and your crap's flying all over the place. The (laughs) controls were so, so stupidly simple that you never had to look and be like, oh, what spell do I have selected? What's happening? What am I going to do when I push this button? Because the controls were, were dialed way, way down. If you have super complicated controls and crap flying all over the place, then you I don't feel like you really get to enjoy it, right? Like Street Fighter would not work if you had to scroll through a bunch of menus and like watch a little timer to make sure that you input the next command as soon as your character was available. <laughs> like that would not be fun. So when you see when they say that Final Fantasy VII remake may be inspired by Advent Children, which I never saw, but by all accounts was kind of mediocre. Um, did they actually say that the battle system would be inspired by Advent Children, or more just like oh, the graphical style or the you know the, the aesthetic of the game? Uh, they specifically referred to the battle system. Oh, well, that's so, a little concerning then. Yeah. So that's the thing is, is Advent. I actually thought Advent children was pretty good, but I also like spirits within. So what the hell do I know? <laughs> um, I like that. But when I rewatched it, it was like, Oh yeah. Uncanny Valley. This is the problem <laughs> with computer graphics. Well, yeah, that, that's fair. Um, but yeah, so they they specifically said we can't use the graphical engine because it's so dated. 
now, like by comparison, but they are going to draw on um, like the <laughs> even the, the CG sequences are like sub Dreamcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean from Advent Children. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought you were talking FF Seven. I'm like, no, no. well, yeah. Why would you use that? Like, we're using a PS One game engine. <laughs> no, no. They said they couldn't reuse the assets in Seven uh, Advent Children because. Even, you know, by today's standards, they're still dated. Well, but I'm sure there's, like, details of, like, the character rigging inside of a game engine. Oh, yeah. Tuned differently than whatever animation software they used 10 years ago. Definitely. But they are going to pull on that, the the visual style of, you know, people are basically human-sized and shaped, and they have relatively normal <laughs> human features. Can we get boxy fists, though? Can we just get boxes? <laughs> That would be like the coolest Easter egg if you could somehow do like if there's like something you could unlock at the end of the game where all the main characters, it's just like their PS1 sprite, <laughs> but against this like super HD background. And then they have another setting that's like called racism and it changes how it depicts Barrett in the entire story. He's already depicted pretty racist. How would they... <laughs> How would they change that to make it worse? Or do you mean to make it better? <laughs> yeah, to make it better. You would turn racism off and the entire story would be in a different way. Yeah. You wouldn't just be yelling shit all the time. So, I mean, not speaking Japanese, I wonder if that was as bad in the original or is that a localization problem? Do you, do you happen to know? Square just hired a racist. <laughs> well, this is like... Uh, Disney frequently gets panned for the way they portray like hip hop or, or rap in like this sub Will Smith, like super vanilla, ultra friendly, like no one would actually listen to hip hop if it were like that kind of <laughs> kind of way. And all these weird stereotypes around, you know, like black people and black culture. And it's like, yeah, you've distilled the weirdest parts into this amalgam that no white people will like because it's boring and black people find offensive. So like, well, yeah, no, it's still no one is happy. An appropriation of like, here's white people taking their culture and deciding <laughs> what elements to portray is very different than like an honest <laughs> inclusion. Yeah. But I mean, that that's where I'm at with this Final Fantasy VII thing is I would rather uh, they just not appropriate a bunch of movie stuff into a game because there are lots of cool things games can learn from movies like good storytelling and good character development <laughs> and good sound design but the crazy visuals i don't think will lend themselves and the thing yeah. is i could be proven wrong like i could be completely and totally wrong about this and it'll be awesome but signs do not point to yes because every time square enix makes something bigger like literally bigger like bigger enemies where you have to cover more ground and there's more belts and the swords are bigger and bigger spiky hair like it just gets dumber <laughs> and dumber and dumber yeah which is not a reference to the movie um <laughs> yeah and i mean that's been my hesitation with final fantasy 15 have you watched any of that footage where i'm like oh the game engine's gorgeous did they make devil may cry because yes. i'm like i'm like that's fine if they did. There's fans of Devil May Cry. I don't want to play Devil May Cry with Final Fantasy paint all over it. No, thank you. I have been trying for the life of me to remember what game played and looked that way. 
and it's Devil May Cry. It's that because I played, I think, the first two like way back, and I never played the yeah. remake because it looked dumb. But <laughs> the that hat, like, because you would swing your sword, and if the enemy moved up into the air, you would just kind of like float up with them like no matter no matter how high they went you could just keep that combo going forever is that like in doom where you're pointing straight ahead but the demon is like three fours up and it's like yeah you shot at him yeah but it was a limitation of the technology not a bizarre stylistic choice <laughs> yeah. but the thing is in devil may cry i kind of was like well that's just the way the universe works he's magic okay <laughs> but now it's like teenagers driving a car and devil may cry gameplay <laughs> yeah <laughs> what is happening here i i don't know i feel like time uh turn-based battle systems and and the active time battle system that the the middle tier the middle number not middle tier the middle <laughs> middle number of final fantasies had like i know that that's it's antiquated now and i know that i have the nostalgia goggles on but that's kind of what I want out of an RPG. Like, well, even, especially if you're remaking one of those <laughs> RPGs. <laughs> yes, but I mean, like, ha- have you ever played uh, uh, any of the? Oh God, I'm totally blanking here. The games with the psychos—they're on the desert planet. You're trying to like collect treasure. Borderlands. Borderlands. Jesus, have you ever played any of those? Yeah. Okay. I know that those games, at their heart, are basically RPGs. Yeah, the first person Diablo. Exactly. Yeah, but I just cannot, for the life of me, treat a game like that as an RPG. Like it just doesn't get categorized in that place in my mind because I feel like RPGs are supposed to be slower. You know, Fallout. The newer Fallout's are the same way. Fallout Three and New Vegas, and now the upcoming Four is going to be even more real time because they're putting time back into the the vats battle system and i just i i love those games like they're really fun they're just they're they're not rpgs to me somehow it's something about the the quick yeah. pacedness of it well there, there are they're action games with rpg elements it's but their their center of gravity is on the action side yes just like how madden letting you you know, send your football players to the gym and increase their stats does not make it an RPG. It's still a football game. Come back in 24 hours or buy Madden gold (laughs) to remove the, skip the gym. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, yeah, it's, it's sort of weird because I'm like, yeah, square be ambitious. Like don't just update the, the polygonal models and call it a day, but still make final fantasy seven. Like, yeah find some spirit to it that you're preserving and don't just well the kids these days are playing this yeah especially because their target market is presumably people who played final fantasy 7 and liked it not people who played final fantasy 13 and were like yes this is the best one (laughs) hallway simulator 2015 (laughs) i don't see and i'm trying really hard to kind of ask myself as I'm ranting about this, am I just being like a curmudgeon like, oh, when, when I was a kid, you had to input all your commands and then the bad guys went and that was the way we liked it. <laughs> but I'm, I'm thinking like if you removed all these other pieces, would I still consider this game an RPG? And it's like, yeah, there's a fuzzy line somewhere, but 
I feel like if the emphasis is on real time action, it's an action game with RPG elements. Like you said, it's not a role playing game. Yeah. I just want my damn Final Fantasy with shiny <laughs> graphics. Why are they going to crap all over everything? <laughs> and then when will they do eight and nine? Probably never. Nobody wants eight. <laughs> You're right. And it makes me sad. So I do. We've been talking about all. I think there's a good segue into this thing I, I wanted to share with you about crazy game mechanics. So a lot of game stuff, I think particularly like this thing with final fantasy seven is all about like the way it looks, but here we are mostly freaking out about how it's going to play. Like what's it going to feel like? How's the, the engine going to work? How's the game world going to function? So some crazy person hacked into fallout three and they're messing around with it. And they figured out that in one of the DLCs, there's this train you have to get on. So if you're not familiar with fallout, uh, it's post-apocalyptic universe. There are no trains because there's no like infrastructure of any kind. Well, there's one train in this one DLC, which means the developers had to ask themselves, should we build an entire set of rules in our physics engine to control how this train moves through space? Or should we design a train visually and make it a hat? And they went with the hat. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the way you said it. it just sounds so crazy. <laughs> Unless you're a game developer and you're like, yeah. Well, in this, so, you know, Reddit, especially lately, has not been known for interesting uh, debate. They've been in the news for a lot of bad reasons. But I learned so much reading through this Reddit thread because there are people on this thread who obviously either have looked into game design a lot because they're fascinated by it or they actually work in the games industry. And they're all of these people who are in the know are like, this is not them being stupid and lazy. This is them solving a real problem in a way that made sense because for them to write an entire, you know, set of routines and, and physical rules to govern the way the train behaved in the universe for this one train that moves a very small amount before you yeah. hit a loading screen would be stupid. Yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah, we could optimize and solve the problem of trains for all time, but we're not building train sim train simulator <laughs> apocalypse. Which, so. <laughs> which is probably a thing in steam green light right now. <laughs> <laughs> Some kind of goat simulator <laughs> but for trains yeah yeah and like i mean we've come up to this in small ways just little projects we work on we're like oh yeah this isn't the best way to do this for all of time in every situation but turns out getting this done anyway is better than sitting and thinking about it and doing some like crazy you know all use cases solution which is really frustrating if you if you interact with like any like very ancient minded IT department and they're like yeah but that doesn't solve world hunger and all these other things <laughs> and it doesn't scale to you know literally every user and like you know meet all these other maintenance requirements you're like yeah but i just i just want to make this text blue right now <laughs> for this one page <laughs> yeah i don't world hunger has nothing to do with my blue text get out of here <laughs> And then, so reading through this thread, I found a lot of interesting examples of people doing this. And then the discussion around why they might have made those those choices, I thought was very interesting. So like 
there's a picture in uh, Skyrim. You ever play Skyrim? Yep. I still have not gotten around to Skyrim. I feel like I'm 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 behind, but I'm kind of late on most games. So if I haven't played it in five or six years, then I'll feel bad. Uh, but so there's a bookshelf, right? You know, like a normal like two or three shelf bookshelf. And you go into this room and there's a bookshelf. And then next to it, there's a table like a small desk. Well, if you clip through the floor, you can see that the table is actually an exact copy of the bookshelf, but shoved into the ground. <laughs> <laughs> so that it just looks like a table because it is awesome makes so much sense well and i mean one it's like a reduced load on the developers having to create another art asset but there's also these interesting discussions in in this thread around like what are which problem are you trying to solve so like here this person said graphically it's more intensive on the gpu to render a larger object but because it's two copies of the same object it's less ram and for the xbox 360 and the ps3 because this is actually it's it's morrowind it's not uh it's not skyrim but for the the xbox 360 and the ps3 they had more processing power than they had ram so if you have to optimize for one of those two things you would want to save on ram yeah and it's like these are the kinds of problems they have to solve with every single room and every art asset and every piece of music everything they design yeah it's like the yeah the the second hot dog is better than setting your kitchen up to make two different kinds of food (laughs) (laughs) man you're just like a metaphor machine today well, I've always heard that in economics, like the second hot dog is not worth as much as the first one. You can't sell it for as much because they're like, well, I already had a hot dog. Oh, <laughs> you have to make this a deal. But yeah. it seems like there's, it's not really the same thing, but it's kind of, a, you know, it's, it's in spirit similar. It's like, yeah, our game engine making a million hot dogs is better than a game engine that can make anything. Um, <laughs> I do love the Reddit comments. They're like, that's so bootleg. And then the reply is, that's so Raven. <laughs> See, now that's the Reddit I'm used to. Yeah. but I always love the that's not very Raven. That is, in fact, not at all Raven. <laughs> um, there's there's some interesting examples in here of, of this kind of shenanigans happening. Two of my favorite ones, um, other than the train hat, which is the, the root uh, <laughs> example, but two of my favorite ones are uh, in, in one game, uh, I think it's in Fallout 3, actually, you have to go up in this elevator, but... There's no system in their engine to make the elevator move, just like the train. There's no way to do that. So if you were able to see outside the elevator, what's actually happening is the rest of the universe is moving down around you, which is an amazing solution to me. One, because it reminds me of a funny Futurama episode, and two, because this incredible discussion breaks out about how depending on the modeling engine you're using, the camera may not be capable of moving. So the camera technically never moves. The universe just moves around the camera. Yeah. It's just like, like, on the one hand, I'm like, oh, that's just frame of reference. You're just redefining it. But no, actually, (laughs) this impacts how you (laughs) write something. And isn't that pretty much every single 3D engine? It's like, no, you're not moving around the world. The world is moving around you. Well, I think that's that's what some of these people are debating is like at what point that break happened. So 
there's 3D engines where the world moves, there's 3D engines where the camera moves and the world is static, and then there's 3D engines where you can move the camera and the world, so you can do like really fancy, complicated things. Um, but then the other the other crazy example that somebody had in here was um, another elevator example where uh, you go into the elevator and nothing happens, but you can't see outside. So there's noise, like the elevator is moving, and then after like six seconds, your character is just teleported to the correct location. <laughs> so there's no actual movement. It's just suddenly you're in a different place because that's something that the engine is capable of doing. Yeah. I mean, I th- that's just like, it just seems like that's totally the kind of problem solving all over the place in gaming is interesting shortcuts to give the experience an illusion of something but like it really doesn't correspond to reality like there's still so many shortcuts and i don't mean that as a pejorative it's like really cool problem solving but um it's just all over the place and so it's really fun to see these examples of like yeah you're wearing a train hat (laughs) (laughs) that is it's such a good photo or screenshot sorry um and, you know, I always wondered, like, uh, do you remember when when the PS3 was new, uh, but the PS2 got, was it God of War 2? Was the last one on PS2? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so when, whichever one, I think it was 2, but I remember specifically looking into the PS3 and people were talking about the cell architecture and all this amazing stuff it was going to be capable of, and... I remember seeing this phrase a lot about the PS2 where people were like, well, it's at its end of life now. Developers have been working with it for so long that now they really are able to push the hardware and they understand what the hardware is capable of. And that never made any goddamn sense to me (laughs) because I'm not a developer and I was way less of a technologist back then than I am now. And I just didn't get like you just throw graphics at it and you tell it to render graphics. Like, how does it, what did you learn? Like, girl, I want to know you. Like, (laughs) what did you learn in the intervening 10 years that allowed you to make a game that looks better? And it's this exact kind of nonsense where they were like, okay, when the character is not looking in this direction, there's literally nothing behind them, right? Like the world doesn't exist wherever the camera's not pointed. it's a complete waste of time. Yeah, stuff like that or, you know, ways to free up RAM or ways to free up CPU cycles depending on like what the need was for that particular part of the game or to have something happen in a certain way. And I mean, God of War 2 was freaking amazing. Like the idea that that was on the same system as some of the early PS2 games is just like, whoa. Yeah, and I mean, I'm just reminded of like the first Uncharted, which I thought looked pretty damn good when it came out in 2007. And like when we finally got an HDTV and I was like, whoa, like I jumped in water and his pants are wet now. <laughs> and like, and then like you see, you, you see that all the way to Naughty Dog's last game, The Last of Us, and you're just like, whoa that's a ps3 game like yeah it's still 720p whatever pc master a shut up but like (laughs) you know that aside like the it's just far and away like a completely like different animal and now when i play the first uncharted it's like why is everyone like shiny and weird and jerky and it doesn't look right and (laughs) just retroactively spoiled (laughs) yeah i do feel bad for any game that was noted for pushing like graphical boundaries because then when you look back you're like nope 
<laughs> but yeah, it's just the very definition of moving goalposts. Because like at the time, you were like it was a totally honest response of like, "Oh wow, that looks awesome." <laughs> and then later, you're like, "Who was I? Like, I thought that girl was really cute, but no, she's not." Oh yeah, I just took it there. I shouldn't have, but <laughs> but you know, and now you're a better person for it. Hmm. So this, I, I, do, I try to give you an out, but whatever. You're on your own now. I'm a better person now. <laughs> so my all-time favorite example of uh, designers doing things to make life a little easier in game design, uh, because once you see it, you can't unsee it, is in the original Super Mario uh, on, on NES, the clouds, you know, the little white fluffy clouds, and the the little green bushes are the same graphic, <laughs> exact same um, you know outline. They just have different shaders applied so that they show up in different colors. And it's, I like I can't look at the original Mario and not for me. I see bushes as clouds. I think other some other crazy people see clouds as bushes, <laughs> but for me, it's like man, all those bushes look just like the clouds. Did you before this? Did you know about that? Were you? Were yeah, you an, I did. Were you an I'd, insider? You were cool. I, I was an insider. <laughs> so yeah, I've included that in our show notes so that you can have your mind blown if you've never seen cloud bushes or bush clouds, which just, is uh you know clouds in Final Fantasy VII. So maybe they'll make a bush out of him. Wow! Oh, this is cannot unsee dot net. I don't want to fall down this rabbit hole. <laughs> I'm going to as soon as we're done recording. There is a (laughs) Kim Kardashian and Kira from the Dark Crystal in my sidebar. So, (laughs) yeah, this is bad news. Yeah, this is bad news, Bears. All right, I'm going to take us out. You got anything else? Nope. All right. You can find the show notes for this episode at sunriserobot.net slash flipping tables slash 78. As always, you can reach out to Mike or I on the Twitters. Uh, I'm easiest to find at Lions and Beta, and Mike, you are? Medwards Music. Uh, one day, buddy. Um, if you've been listening to this in the web player, that's cool. We appreciate having you, but you can make your life a lot easier by subscribing using your favorite podcatcher. Um, I use Pocket Cast on the web and on Android. They also have an iOS app, and Mike, I think you're still using Overcast, right? Yep, it's great. It's free. Try it out. <laughs> That's true. Pocket Cast does have a cost, but I love it, so I happily give them my money. Um, and you can do that really easily by just pressing either the RSS or the iTunes button from your smart mobile device, and it'll do all the magic in the background for you. And then new episodes are delivered to you every single week. Uh, and if you want to support us a little more directly than subscribing to the show, you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash sunrise robot and depending on the level you support us at you might get your name shouted out at the end of flipping tables or at the end of all of our shows so with that in mind we want to thank our super ultra mega would never load the same bookcase in one room twice supporters (laughs) bruce edwards matt mariner sean byrne and andreas longa we love you guys we couldn't do it without you not at all we'll see you guys next week see you next week